0: So everyone's got their Bibles tonight. Good, 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 good. Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 7, um, so I encourage you all, open your Bibles to John chapter 7. Everyone, open to John chapter 7. Uh, it is 7.30, uh, ladies and gents, and we are going to uh, hopefully be done by about 8.20. Uh, so that's about 50 minutes of preaching uh, my average preach time is 53 minutes and 4 seconds. Uh, that's over a span and average of like 45 different sermons. No, I'm not even joking. I did the averaging. I preached for 53-4. And uh, and so I'm actually going to preach for less than that tonight. Uh, but we are really going to cover, guys, tonight, we're going to cover 52 verses. Uh, and so uh, the 52 verses, that's going to be uh, a lot. And so we better be... Ready just to cruise okay you guys ready um, can we just have a moment of silence for our good brother Bo in the back uh, he's rocking the queso dip from the the, the, the party a few weeks ago uh, Bo and I have had this tradition now because um, we kept it in the fridge and so when I'm just working at my desk I eat the queso and cheese uh, and while Bo's done with worship it helps recoat his pipe so he's able to sing the next week. So, queso it up, Bo. That's not how it works, but uh, sorry, Bo. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. It just made me so happy to see that you're quesoing back there. All right, guys. Bibles. uh, John, chapter 7, verse 1. Uh, We're going to read through all 52 verses, and then we're going to go back, and we're going to talk about it. Does that sound good? Awesome. We're going to do something different tonight. Is it okay? We we have a small group. Is it okay if we do something different? Okay. I'm going to read. No, I'm not going to make you sit in a circle. But how many of you guys remember, like, third-grade popcorn reading? Anyone remember popcorn reading? So I'm going to read a few verses, and I'm just going to say pass it on, or I'm just going to stop, and then I want whoever, uh, just someone to pick up and read as many verses as they want, and then when they stop, is, is that okay? Can we, can, can we do that here?
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: Is, it, is, it, is that going to work? That
2: sounds fun.
0: Okay, so everyone follow along. Follow along. But if
2: we have different
0: versions. If we have different versions, it'll be okay, because it should be the gist, okay? Okay, so here we go. This is uh, chapter 7, verse 1. And the only reason I'm saying that is because... Uh, 52 verses. Uh, you don't want to listen to me read 52 verses. I promise you that. Chapter 7, verse 1. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' a feast of the tabernacles was at hand. And his brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks his own openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. And then Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that, it is, uh, that its works are evil. You go up to this feast, and I... Am not yet going up to the feast, for my time has yet uh, not fully come. And when he said these things uh, to them, he remained in Galilee. So we'll pick up in verse 10. But
1: when his brethren were gone up, he also opened to the feast, not opened as if it were in the feast. And the Jews him at the feast. There was much murmuring among the people concerning him. For some said, He was a good man, and he was that he was the chief of the people. I'll be a no to
0: book over
1: there the field of the Jews. Now, about the mythical with these, he was one of the temple, and taught. So, I'll pick up in verse 15. Go ahead. Okay. The Jews were amazed. They asked, How did this man learn so much without studying? He answered, uh, What I teach is not my own, it comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do what God wants him to do will find out whether teaching he God or anything.
0: eighteen some more.
2: Those who speak to themselves on glory only for themselves. But a person who seeks honor the one who sent speaks truth, not lies. Moses gave you the law, but none of you obey it. In fact you were trying to tell me. The crowd replied, You are demon possessed, who is trying to kill you? Jesus replied, I did one miracle on the Sabbath and you were amazed. You work on the Sabbath too, when you obey Moses' law of traditions. Actually, the tradition of so circumcision began with the patriarchs long before the law of Moses. For if the correct time for circumcising your son falls on the Sabbath, you go ahead and do it so as not to break the law of Moses. So, why should you be angry with me for killing a man on the Sabbath? What's the need to serve to you to judge the Someone want to pick up the verse 25? At that point, some of
0: the people
2: of Jerusalem began to ask. Isn't this the man they were, are trying to kill? Us. Here he is, speaking po- publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? But so you know where this man is from? Where the Messiah comes, no one will
1: know where he is
0: from. Verse 28. And
1: Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple, saying, You both know me, and you know where I am from. And I have not come uh, of myself, but you who sent me is true. Whom you do not know, but I know him, for I am from him, and he came me. Therefore they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. And many of the people believed in him and said, But when the Christ comes, will he do more signs and deeds which this man has done? Verse 32. The Pharisees heard that the people Knowledge was in the city. The A little while shall me and shall not find Where I am, the Jews among themselves, whither will he And we shall not find them? go unto first among the Gentiles? Verse 36. What is this thing, he said? You will see me and not find me. The way I am, you cannot come. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believed in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Therefore many from the crowd, when they heard this, saying, Truly this is the prophet, others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem, where David was? So well, there was a division among the people because of him. Now some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. Verse 45. When the temple guards returned without having arrested Jesus,
0: the leading priests
2: and Pharisees demanded, Why didn't you bring him in? We have never heard anyone speak like this, the guards responded. You've been led astray too, the Pharisees mocked. Is there a single one of us rulers or Pharisees who believe in him? This foolish cross follows them. But they are ignorant of the law. God's curse is on them. Then Nicodemus, the leader who had met with Jesus earlier, spoke up. Is it legal to convict a man before he is given a hearing, he asked? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search the scriptures and see for yourself. No prophet ever comes
1: from
0: Galilee. Dear Jesus, we just pray that tonight as we uh, spend these next few moments looking at your word. God, that you would speak to us through your word. God, that we would be encouraged by what your word has to say. God, we would be inspired by what your word has to say. God, that we would be challenged by what your word has to say. God, may we not leave this place the same as when we came, but God, may we be changed from the inside out by your word. God, I pray none of these would be my words, uh, but God, these would be your words. Uh, anything that would be of me may have fallen deaf ears or may not even be able to get it out of my mouth, but God, that your perfect word would ring true. So, God, we thank you and we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, amen. 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 Before we go any further, I just want you all to give yourselves a hand. Y'all are good readers. Bo, was that uh, King James? That was awesome. Uh, The wilst. Wilst is a good word. I think we need to bring it back. Uh, I I like that. Okay. Uh, Lots of things take place. Uh, This is a progression of several days. Um, all in this one chapter, and, and, and there's a lot of themes that take place. Um, and so we're going to kind of look at it thematically, okay? Um, so the title uh, the title of the message, uh, this is week 18 of our uh, sermon series, I Saw the Light. The title is uh, To Come, um, and this is referring to things which are to come. Uh, and, and I think there's some very few things... Uh, or, or, or there's quite a few things uh, mentioned in this portion of Scripture that have, at least at this time period uh, when Jesus was at this feast um, that were yet to come. Uh, the first being uh, something of a family affair. How many of you guys have brothers and or sisters? No. You only got brothers and sisters? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Bree says no, yet her brother's sitting four chairs from her. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, my brother's sitting here. Um, yeah, I think we all have family. Uh, Bo, are you the only child, the the only only child in here? This that, is, that we know of. That we know of. That's awesome. All right. Uh, so, brother Bo, brother Bo, uh is uh, my brother. We'll just say that. Um, actually, I'm sorry if you're my brother. I I think John can attest to that. <laughs> um, so, what's that? All right. uh, So, verse seven, uh, or or chapter seven, verse one. uh, Some things take place. Uh, Jesus uh, is walked, uh, is walking into Galilee um, because he doesn't want to go to Judea because he knows the Jews are wanting to kill him. Um, We're in Jesus' ministry, uh, and it's very evident the Jews uh, are getting ready to kill Jesus. They've been uh conspiring and they're like hey it's time to get rid of this guy he's crazy all right so jesus avoids judea completely and ends up in galilee uh, for the feast of the tabernacles um, and this is a time where the jewish families would all get together and it'd be a great hangout time uh, much like we do in thanksgiving okay thanksgiving was just a few short months ago how many of you guys still wish it was thanksgiving uh, cause how many of you guys just love turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing, gravy, uh, dinner rolls, all the good stuff that come with Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, Martinelli's anyone? Um, yeah, like I love Thanksgiving. I love getting together as a family. Um, and Jesus, I'm sure was like, sweet. I haven't seen my brothers in a while. It's going to be a fun time to go hang out with my brothers. Uh, but how many of you, uh, you don't actually have to raise your hand for this. Maybe just think about it cause it could throw some people under the bus, uh, that we all know. But how many of you guys have siblings? Um, who you maybe haven't seen in a while, and you're like, yeah, I'm super excited. Like, right when you get there, they like to just thrust right into conflict, okay? And it's like, boom, conflict time. Uh, And this is what Jesus faces uh, with his brothers. Uh, We see in Scripture um, that Jesus had uh, at least four brothers. Um, We don't know if he had more. There's a chance he had more. Um, Two of them uh, uh, actually became quite important folk. Um, but Jesus' brothers, they all kind of approach him, uh, and Jesus is just chilling, he's doing his thing, he gets to the Feast of Tabernacles, and his brothers come up to him, and they kind of just start throwing him under the bus, and they kind of like start making fun of him to his face, uh, but kind of doing it deceptively, like, uh, they're they're like mocking him by talking about the good things that he does, but then like, oh, but come on, like, no one really actually does these things. He, you guys, uh, I mean, have you ever been in a situation where someone was, like, mocking you to your face by using examples of thing you you had done, but then kind of, like, twisted so it's, like, a weird outcome? Has anyone ever faced that before? Okay, maybe Jesus is the only one who's faced it. I've faced it. I know that for sure. Um, and and so these... Jesus' brothers say to him, uh, they say, Hey, why don't you just go away from here, and, like, go into Judea, and go do some miracles, go do some things. Because, like... No one's supposed to do miracles and secrets, Jesus. You can't hide here in Galilee all along. You've got to go into Judea. Uh, and, and, and the reason they're like nagging at him and, and, and agging him on uh, is because we see here, in verse five, it says, "For his brothers did not even believe in him." So this is the first thing uh, that was yet to come. Uh, belief in Christ. Uh, belief in Christ had not yet come even to his own family. And many of you maybe have family members, um, and maybe have, well, for sure you have classmates, uh, for sure you have friends uh, who do not yet believe in Jesus. And that can be a very discouraging thing at times. Uh, For some of you who maybe have who 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 have been a Christian for a good majority of years? Yet you have family members. Yet you have friends uh, who have been your friends. They've grown up with you. They know you're a Christian. They know what you believe. They know why you believe it. You've told them over and over again, and yet they still don't believe. Uh, and that can become very discouraging. Uh, I can only imagine Jesus, um, because Jesus not only was he fully God, but he was fully man. Uh, and I can imagine the disappointment that Jesus had that his brothers, I mean his very brothers, the guys he grew up playing kickball with and all the fun stuff, uh, they didn't believe who he was. Um, Jesus had grown up with these guys and then starts his ministry, meets a few guys, has known a few guys for just a few months, and they are all sold out, saying, Jesus, you're the Christ, this is awesome. Yeah, Jesus' his own family is saying, I don't know who you are or who you think you are. Um, And this can be very discouraging. And uh, uh, God's word uh, and God's plan is a very redemptive plan. Uh, And and God is a God of redemption. Uh, And he's a God of of the big picture. Uh, God uh, is is so uh, vast in his wisdom, uh, vast in his knowledge. Uh, Hi, Joel. And he... He sees things, um, beyond what we can see, beyond what we can comprehend. Um, and and what I mean by this is, uh, Jesus knew, uh, the end from the beginning. He knew what was going to become of his brothers. Um, Jesus' brothers actually didn't ever believe in Jesus while Jesus was here on earth. Uh, I mean, even after he raises from the dead, um, Like, they're they're kind of off doing their thing. And then they realize after he ascends, they're like, wait a minute. Jesus rose from the dead. He was seen by all these people. He must be the Messiah. And uh, so God knew the ultimate picture, and um, he allows these things to take place. He allows the doubts to take place for uh, their faith or their lack thereof to be grown and to be put on this track that will ultimately point them to him Um, we see from church history and we see even from just biblical account uh, that james the brother of jesus uh, he goes on to become one of the leaders in the church Um, in the first century he becomes um, along with peter uh, the most important person uh, in all of christianity Uh, It's possible because he was related to Jesus. I think it's also just because the dude really got a hold of who Jesus was, and he said, you know what, let's go change the world as a result of it. Um, And so he becomes the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Uh, He becomes so important, in fact, that when Peter and Paul, pretty much the two most prolific dudes uh, in the first century of Christianity, uh, they have an argument uh, and who did they go to to get the argument answered? They go to one of the brothers of Jesus, who, just 15 years earlier, didn't even believe that Jesus was Christ. And so the the, the, the point I want uh, to pull out of this for you guys, the thing that is to come from this, is your family member, uh, your co-worker, uh, maybe your classmate and your friend who you are praying for and who you are uh, really just pleading before the Lord for. Uh, I want to encourage you don't stop uh, at all uh, and and continue to push forward. Maybe you've just got discouraged and you've grown lax in it and you haven't even mentioned something to them in a while. I would encourage you uh, go talk to them about Jesus even this week uh, because God's not done yet. Uh, you plant the seeds uh, and and God has a part in seeing those seeds. <laughs> come uh, to fruition in in, in those people uh, giving their hearts to the Lord. Uh, And maybe, maybe you have a friend, maybe you have a family member who doesn't know Jesus yet. But here's the thing, you continue to keep praying for him, continue to keep revealing Jesus, because when James saw Jesus revealed, and hey, this is Christ, he went sold out crazy for Jesus. And maybe one of your friends who's not yet a Christian might be the next Big name in evangelism. Like your friend who's not a Christian yet might be the next Billy Graham. And it takes you just going and telling them about Jesus. And not giving up. Never give up on telling people about Jesus. Because here's the thing. God never gave up on us. And now you're sitting here with your faith in Jesus Christ as a result of him never giving up on you. And so we should never give up on our family. We should never give up on our friends because we do not know what is yet to come. Because Jesus' brothers didn't believe, but in a few short years, they changed the world. One of Jesus' other brothers, Jude, he wrote uh, an epistle to all of Christianity. I mean, this is Jesus' younger brother. Uh, and how many of you guys have a younger brother? I got a younger brother. Um, okay, I'm the only one with a younger brother. Am I the only one with a younger brother? Man. Uh, Yeah, he's a good younger brother. I like him. Uh, There were times, though, when John was younger, and I think he would attest to it, uh, that younger brothers can be a little like uh, the proverbial term, snot-nosed brat. My brother, uh, he... uh, I don't know if he'd admit it, but but I'm I'm just going to say it in general. My brother learned how to fake cry at a very young age. um, And so much so that... uh, (laughs) uh, We would be sitting in a room just watching TV and my mom would come around the corner, and my brother would just start fake crying just to get me in trouble. Aaron, I'm sure you did it to your older brother. Um, One time, so John got me in trouble all the time just by doing that. I mean, that's like snot nose. I'm sure you did that to Jesus. But uh, uh, one time, uh, I just had it with getting in trouble. Uh, I was like, this is dumb. And so John did the whole fake cry thing as my mom was coming around, and right in front of my mom. I just said, John, I'm going to give you something to cry about. And I, like, picked John up and threw him at a couch. And this was, like, John and I are close to the same size now. Uh, but when I was in sixth grade, I was a foot taller than John. And so, like, John actually hit a growth spurt. Like, I, I, I was, like, eight inches taller than John uh, when he was a freshman and I was a junior. He, like, boom, he caught up and now he's taller than me. Uh, but, but I threw John into our couch. and our. I must have did it with the right amount of velocity because he hit the back of the couch. And the couch actually went like this. To that, and then he roll off the back side and then my mom said, "Just wait until your dad gets home." I got in big trouble, uh, but it's because little brothers sometimes are crazy. Uh, well, <laughs> and John's still won in the end. It's crazy, uh, and so uh, I'm sure Jude uh, would do these kind of things with Jesus. And I mean, can you imagine being a younger brother of Jesus? I mean, the dude's like a perfect guy, you know. Like he, and he's the oldest, so he he set some pretty hard standards uh, for. His younger brothers. So I don't blame them for not believing at, at the beginning, because they're just like brother rivalry, you know. But uh, the things that, that are yet to come, your friends, your family members, your coworkers, your classmates, who do not yet know Jesus, never give up because you don't know what God's going to use you to do in their lives. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Next point. We see Jesus uh, then moving into uh, a time where he goes up into the temple and he begins to preach... Uh, and some people ask a question of Jesus that is a question uh, that I know I personally have been asked, uh, and I know probably some of you have been asked. Uh, Jesus starts teaching uh, some very important things, Uh, and the people begin to ask, Jesus, where are your credentials? They say, uh, Jesus, uh, how can you teach like this? Uh, Because you, uh, you have never studied. Um, and, And the King James says it this way, um, this man does not know the letter of the law, having never studied these things. Um, uh, I know that's something that uh, people like to throw in your face. Uh, like when you're telling people about Jesus, how many of you guys have ever heard this situation? You tell someone about Jesus, and they say to you, uh, Well, who are you to tell me? Who are you to tell me what's right and wrong? How do you know what's right and wrong? Have you guys ever been in a situation like that where someone drops the, Well, what makes you smarter than me? What makes you uh, a better uh, authority on life and death and afterlife and religion and faith? Um, And I think the way Jesus answers this is a a good way for us to answer uh, these things. Um, Because it would be very easy, uh, I know for me personally, it would be very easy for me to try and defend myself and why I am able to talk about the things which I talk about. Uh, It would be very easy uh, to talk about why I can say these things. When someone says, well, what gives you the authority to tell me this? I can say, well, this is what gives me the authority. I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Here's my degree. I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Uh, I've seen this, I've seen this, I've seen this. These are my uh, merits and what gives me the uh, possibility to say these things with authority. And that's all good and dandy, um, but it just opens a lot of uh, doors for argument." But yet Jesus, Jesus had a lot more merit than I have. Jesus could have said, well, you know why I can teach these things? Uh, Yeah, because I changed water into wine. Uh, I fed 5,000 with just a few pieces of fish. I walked on water the other day. Y'all see that in the headlines? I walked on water. Yeah, I think I can teach what I want to teach. But Jesus doesn't say any of that. Uh, He doesn't give any of his merits. What does he say? He says, "Uh, the doctrine which I teach, it's not mine. It's not mine they're like, whoa, so you're plagiarizing. No, and then he goes on to say, no, it's the doctrine of him who sent me. And I think what Jesus does is, is amazing. And, I, and Jesus sets the example so well for us, uh, even in evangelism. Okay? Uh, we don't always think of Jesus as the great evangelist. We think of Jesus as the great miracle worker, or, uh, uh, or we just think of him just generally as the Messiah. But we don't realize that he sets a great example for us when it comes to evangelism and what it means to have one-on-one conversations with people. <clears throat> Jesus gets up, he starts teaching these things, and when they question him, uh, he says, No, the doctrine's not mine, but it's the doctrine of him who sent me. You see, Jesus had a very uh, firm grasp on who God was, and since he had a firm grasp on who God was, uh, he was not going to be swayed, uh, and he was not going to be uh, uh, convinced otherwise. Uh, and my encouragement to you guys uh, would be, and, 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 and here's the 2 come point of this, I don't know where all of you guys are uh, in your understanding of who God is. Uh, I think we're all in a place where we're growing, uh, and, and I think it's a day-to-day process. I know me personally, uh, my my understanding and my knowledge of God continues to grow, um, but one thing that I know will never, um, will never ever change uh, is this. And uh, now that I've said is this, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. I'm, I'm doing a leadership uh, course with some pastors and with some uh, CEOs of, uh, of big businesses uh, and, and some politicians and just some stuff. It's a, it's, it's, it's a leadership course uh, on how to be a better leader. Uh, and the the title of the, of the course is Great Leaders Ask Great Questions. It's, it's a uh, book, and it's, it's through John Maxwell, who's just a phenomenal person. You know who John Maxwell is. And um, the, the book encourages uh, you to think about what is the greatest question you have ever asked of yourself. Uh, and I thought about that, and I was like, what is the greatest question I have ever asked of myself? Um, and it comes into this, and, and I think it's something, I don't think Jesus had to ask himself, um, but the answer that Jesus gives here is the answer that I came to after I asked myself this question. Uh, and the question is this, and I want to I want to pose this question to you, because uh, if it was the greatest question that I ever asked myself, uh, it might just be the greatest question you ever get asked, uh, and so I'm going to ask you, maybe you've already asked it of yourself, um, but... Uh, the question is, uh, why do I believe what I believe? It's, I mean, it, it, it's one thing to ask someone, well, what do you believe? What do you believe? And you can give a very surface answer when someone asks the question, what do you believe? But when they go and they ask you the great question of, why do you believe what you believe? Uh, it makes some things very real. And and I know for me, when I asked myself that question, I asked myself that question uh, going into my senior year of high school. um, I asked myself that question. It took a long time uh, for me to answer that question. Uh, It took more than three years. Uh, I I actually didn't have an answer for that question uh, until I was in my senior year of college. Uh, It was a process. Um, I I, I got to the point where it was um, I'm either going to have to find the answer to why I believe what I believe and make this belief mine, uh, or I'm just going to have to go the complete opposite way and just dump this belief. I, I mean, if, if I can't own my faith in Christianity, if I can't own this, uh, then I have no place in even claiming it. And so I got to the point where I came to a, to, to, to do a very real crossroads. It was either I'm going to decide to purpose that I'm going to find out why I believe what I believe, or I'm just not going to believe at all and I'm going to go down a completely different path. And uh, I'm glad God surrounded me with with, with great friends, with, with great mentors uh, who, who continue to encourage me and to hold me accountable. Find out what you believe and why you believe it. Because uh, it's one thing just to believe because your parents believe. How many of you guys have parents who took you to church every Sunday? Yeah, okay. So I think all of us in the room. Um, I'm not knocking on your parents at all. That's amazing. Uh, but you can't ride your parents' coattail. Your parents' faith will not save you. Your parents' faith will not save you. You have to find out what you believe and why you believe it and make it yours. you got to make it yours. And Jesus, Jesus came to this conclusion. He goes, you know what? Doctor, doctrine I'm preaching, what I'm preaching... Uh, you can't sway me, you can't change me, you can't stop me, you can't push me over, uh, because guess what? This ain't even mine. It's God the Father up in heaven. And uh, that's, that's what I came to. Why do I believe what I believe? Uh, because God is perfect, and he reveals himself through his word every single time I read his word. And I could lose everything in this world. I could lose every possession I own. Uh, I could lose my house. Uh, I could lose my car. I could lose the clothes on my back. I could be stranded naked in a forest or on the side of the road or in a desert or in Antarctica or wherever it be and have nothing. But that would not sway what I believe and why I believe it because I have found and I want to encourage you guys seek that out, seek that out. I, I had a conversation with a young man uh, uh, earlier today, he, he said, "You know what? I think at times uh, God likes it when we question. It. God likes it when we challenge it because it allows our faith to grow." And uh, and yeah, I, I mean, I, I I think God wants us to search Him out. Uh, I think He tells us that in Scripture: "Search me out." Uh, and the cool thing is, when we search God out, when we draw near to God, what happens? He draws near to us. And so, what I want to encourage you uh, is when you get into conversations, when you begin to tell people about Jesus, and they ask you the question, uh, "Why? Like, what gives you the right to say these things to me?" Um, don't 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 say, "Well, this is my credential. This is my credential." Say, "Hey, uh, it's not even mine. It's the big man upstairs, and this is what he says." And then Jesus goes on to say, "He said, if anyone wills to do uh, his will, he shall know. Uh, if anyone wills to do uh, his will, being." God the Father, uh, he shall know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God or whether uh, I speak on my own authority. He uh, who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. So if you try and do it for yourself, you're seeking your own glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true and no unrighteousness is in him. This word unrighteousness there uh, in 7.18 is the Greek word Adikia. Everyone say adikia. adikia. Okay, and this uh, is uh, derived um, from uh, the word which means right um, and misdeeds, injustice, moral wrongdoing, unjust aspects uh, of unrighteous in, uh, iniquity. Uh, it's the opposite of truthfulness, faithfulness, and righteousness. Um, and so, what that is saying is. Uh, if you seek to do the will of the Father, uh, and you seek to do what he has called to do, uh, there will be no unrighteousness found in you. So that's, there will be no uh, unjust acts. You won't have moral wrongdoings. You'll have you'll be a person of justice rather than a person of injustice. There won't be misdeeds in your life when you seek to do the will of the Father. So I just want to encourage you guys in that uh, Jesus gave the best answer. And so uh, we should follow uh, him and follow his example. Um, So that's the second point. Uh, The third point, we're going to just kind of skip over verses 19 through 24. Uh, We're not skipping over because they don't have anything for us to learn. There's actually a lot to learn here. Uh, Jesus kind of just throws something at them in the face. Uh, I mean, they say, "Well, Jesus, you healed on the Sabbath. That's a bad deal. Like you should be getting in trouble for that." And he says, "Come on, guys. You guys circumcise on the Sabbath. If that's the way it falls on the calendar, because circumcision predated the Sabbath, and so since it predated the Sabbath, uh, you do it. Yet now you break the law. And so is it a problem for me to heal someone if you're going to break the law anyways? And so he kind of does this whole like reverse psychology. Boom in your face, guys. You guys are just hypocrites. And Jesus puts them in their place." Uh, do do your own study on that. I think there's some great things in there, um, but we're we're going to jump into to some things that take place uh, in verse 25. Verse 25 says this. Now, some of them from Jerusalem said, "Is this not he whom they seek to kill?" So Jesus uh, is speaking uh, boldly, and these people are like, "You know what? I think this is the person who." Uh, you're supposed to get killed, you know? Uh, so they understood some things that were going to take place. They wanted to kill Jesus. But Jesus, how many of you guys, as we were reading this, you, you heard it or you read it, said quite a few times, my time has not yet come. Okay? Jesus said that a lot because Jesus knew what was going to be coming in the future. But uh, they go on to say in verse uh, 26, they say, but look, he speaks boldly, and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? Um, something takes place here during this Feast of Tabernacles in John chapter uh, 7 that's pretty profound. Uh, People begin to think, is Jesus the Christ? Is Jesus the Christ? Is he the Messiah? Is he the Anointed One? Is he uh, the ruler of Israel? Is he the Savior of Israel? Israel. Is he the Lord of this land? And they began to ask this question. And it's a twofold question that I think we need to ask ourselves. Um, The first being, what is yet to come? uh, Do we see in the future uh, (coughs) Jesus' kingdom being established here on earth? Do we see Jesus ruling and reigning as Messiah? Because the simple answer is yes. Oh, of course. Yeah, I read it in Scripture. Uh, But in the way you live your life, are you living your life in such a way that you are seeking to see his kingdom established here and now? Are the decisions you make on a day-to-day basis uh, positioning yourself to be in a place where you can rule and reign with Jesus in his kingdom? Because it's... Let me be careful how I phrase this... um, It's not always easy living as a Christian, but it's pretty easy to live as a Christian and just say, you know what? I'm saved. This is awesome. You make all the right decisions. You read your Bible. You go to church. You do all these things. And your faith is actually alive. Like you're doing, I mean, it's good, but it's kind of here and now. It's just day to day, which is great. And I encourage you guys to live that way. But I also encourage you guys to have a future perspective. Because the Bible has a future perspective. And I think we should have a future perspective as well. Jesus had a future perspective. Matthew 24, he talks about things that are going to take place in the future, things that are yet to come. Jesus had a future mindset uh, as well as a present mindset. And I think we get so caught up in the church today, having the present mindset and forgetting the fact that there is a future as well. And so the first part of this twofold fold question uh, is, do you see Jesus as Messiah? Do you see Jesus as ruling and reigning? In what is to come in your life, not just what is here and now. And that brings me to the second point of the twofold question. Uh, I would encourage each and every single one of you guys to ask yourself this question on a daily basis. I know I ask myself this on a daily basis Uh, Jesus, are you Christ in my life? Jesus, are you Christ in my life? Uh, And and, and that's a very loaded question because it really causes me uh, to pause. To ponder, to think uh, about my own life day to uh, day, because what does it mean for Jesus to be the Christ of my life? One, it means He's the Messiah. Uh, he He is anointed and appointed, and He is here to be my Savior. Uh, so Jesus has saved me. Uh, Christ also means that He is uh, ruling and reigning. He sits on the throne of my life. He makes the decisions in my life, it also means that He is the Lord of my life, which means everything I do, I am doing it unto Him. So then, knowing those things, when you unpack the word Christ, when you ask yourself the question, is Jesus the Christ of my life? Uh, It causes us to really, all right, what decisions did I make today uh, that were not decisions that Christ would make as the ruler of my life? What decisions did I make today that are not honoring to him as the Lord of my life. What decisions did I make today uh, that I made of my own volition uh, neglecting the fact that he has saved me from actually the decision I chose? And so I think when we think about Jesus as Christ in the future, that's great. and I think we need to do that on a daily basis. And I also think we need to do it in the present, the here and the now. Because Jesus, throughout the Scripture, even throughout this portion we read, He talks about the things that are taking place here and the now, and then He goes, and when you know, and if you know, these things will then take place, but my time has not yet come. Jesus understood there's a very real present, but there's also a very real future, and we need to invest into both of those. You need to invest not only in the present with Christ, but you need to invest in the future for what Christ is going to be doing in the future. Because when you only invest in the one, well, how many of you guys, how many of you guys know anything about finances? Okay, if you invest just in the present, what happens when you retire? Well, you might be happy because you're 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 done working, but Morgan, you're right. You have no money, and then you end up having to go back to work, so you're no longer happy.
1: <laughs> yeah, it can be very
0: depressing if you don't invest in your future. On the other side, what happens if you just invest in your future? Long-term What's that? The long-term
1: gain.
0: Yeah, so you'll have some long-term gains, but in the present, you won't, you won't have anything. Now, in the future, that's going to be great. And on the flip side, if you're doing everything in the present, you're not thinking about the future, your present is going to continually be great. But when you invest in both of them, Your present can be great, and your future can be great as well. So, I want to encourage you guys to at least think about that. At least think about asking yourself the question, is Jesus Christ in my life today? And am what I'm doing today leading to seeing Christ's kingdom fulfilled here on earth? So I want to encourage you with those things. Um, The next thing uh, that, that, that comes into play um we see in verses thirty two through thirty six and really on into uh forty-four, um we see uh, we see this conflict um of religious leaders and all their different theological ideologies um and and, and they, they butt heads with Jesus. And uh that's something that happens and is happening. Uh, in the church today. Um, There is... I don't have a number off the top of my head, but I know in the United States, there is well over, uh, I think it's well over 300 um, distinct denominations with their own distinct theological views, uh, all within this scope of Christianity. Um, There's a lot of argument that's between them. Um, And when you actually look at what the majority of the arguments are about, they have nothing to do with Christ. Uh, Because the thing is, all of these believe that Jesus is the Christ and he is the only way to salvation. Um, Yet they get all caught up in all these different things. Uh, It it says here, uh, the murmurings uh, about the things pertaining to Jesus. Um, And so Jesus kind of sets some things He says, you know what, Uh, uh, this, 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 and this. He says later on uh, in in the Gospel, he says, hey, guys, no one comes to the Father but through me. Uh, And and Jesus kind of reigns everything back in. There's all these arguments that take place. There's all these uh, different outcomes that people see. uh, Is it going to happen this way? Is things going to happen this way? Can you do this? Can you do that? Uh, But ultimately, it's all about Jesus. And so in our lives, whenever these arguments come up among believers... Remember, we always have to point it back to Jesus. Point it back to Jesus. Because that's something we can all agree on. Uh, and, and, and that's really the important thing, because the world needs Jesus. The world doesn't need uh, to know whether uh, it's going to be a pre-tribulation rapture or a post-tribulation rapture. The world doesn't need to know that. Uh, it, it. They need to know Jesus. And when you know Jesus, everything else irons out. Jesus then goes on to say, though, that... Uh, Something that is also extremely, extremely, extremely important uh, is he promises here uh, that the Holy Spirit is going to come. And uh, he, he, he says, hey, it's great that you all are believing in me and following me, but he, he goes on to say that it is better off that I go so that I can send you the Holy Spirit. Um, and and I want to encourage each and every single one of you guys, uh, because a lot of American Christianity, a lot of Western Christianity, uh, has really lost this aspect of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and, and it's become, uh, so Jesus, 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 which is good, but they forgot what Jesus said was good that he goes for. Uh, and And I heard it put this way, uh, many Christians believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Bible rather than the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Bible is good, and we need the Bible. Jesus is good, and we need the Bible. But it is imperative that we have the Holy Spirit. It is imperative that the Holy Spirit is alive and active and working in and through us. When you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you. Uh, and you need to open yourself to allowing the Holy Spirit to move through you. Uh, we see throughout the New Testament, the Holy Spirit has gifts that he gives to believers so that they can operate in these gifts for, <coughs> as Acts eight says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you will be my witnesses. Jesus is great. The Bible is great. But the Holy Spirit is the power that makes Jesus great, and makes Jesus known to the world. The Holy Spirit is the power that makes God's Word great, that makes God's Word understandable so that we can use it to reach the world. And so, uh, the thing that is to come here uh, is the end has not yet come, because we're still here, and we need God's Holy Spirit so that we can be about our Father's business and telling people uh, all about Christ. Because this just leads into the next portion here um, that's talked about in verses... Uh, 40 through 44, really, uh, is, uh, is, is, is people are asking about who Jesus is. Uh, the world is asking who Jesus is. Uh, there is a lot of non-believers in this world, a lot of people who have said, oh, I'm agnostic, oh, I'm atheist, oh, I'm this or that. Uh, they are asking about Jesus. And here's the thing, they're asking the right questions but the church has not been good about being equipped to answer those questions. And I think this whole narrative here in the book of John really uh, points us to this is how you become equipped. Know what you believe and why you believe it. Know whose doctrine it is that you are teaching Know who Christ is. Is Christ the Christ of your life? When you know whose doctrine it is, when Christ is Christ of your life, when you realize, I need the Holy Spirit in tandem with Jesus to give me the power to be an effective witness, when you put all those things together, when the world begins to ask, who is this man? You will be equipped and ready to tell the world, this is he, this is he, this is Jesus. And you need Jesus. Because we learned last week that the Holy Spirit is drawing and calling all men unto the Father. But it is only until their spirit is awakened inside them that they're going to open their hearts and say, All right, Jesus, I need you. Uh, And that awakening takes place when each and every single one of us goes and we say, Hey, this is what Jesus has done in my life. This is what the Holy Spirit has empowered me to do, and now I'm telling you that you need to know Jesus. Go back to our very first example those people who didn't believe in Jesus to start with, but then they end up believing in Jesus later on. You might have friends who maybe you've just gotten so discouraged that they haven't given their heart to Jesus that you've become deaf to the questions they're asking about Jesus. And maybe they're not saying it blunt, like, who is Jesus? But they ask you questions like, well, why are you always happy? How can you have joy? Where is your hope? They don't use like the Jesus word. They don't use the God word. But they ask you these questions, but you can become so discouraged that they haven't given the heart to Jesus that you become deaf to them asking the questions. But they are there asking the questions just like these Jews who are at the feast were asking the question, who is this man? Well, I want to encourage you guys, when you get these things in line, when you get these priorities straight, people's lives will be affected by you because you will begin to answer the questions. This is Jesus. This is Him. This is God. This is the answer. So I want to encourage you along those lines. The last point uh, is, uh, it's, it's a sad reality, but it is a reality. Uh, there are going to be people uh, who will reject, regardless they will reject christ um, and it's a it's a sad reality uh, but it is very much a reality um, and uh when I think about this um, there's there's a little bit of uh, there's some weight here. Uh, but, well, yeah, there's going to be people who reject. Um, and we could know that, and we could say that, and we could be like, all right, well, there's going to be people who are going to reject. And so when you hear your first rejection, you just go, well, okay, people are just going to reject, and you can stop. Um, but that's not uh, at all what we should do. Um, and it's just going back to the first <clears throat> point. It's going back to what, what I've been saying throughout this. Uh, is you never know when someone is going to say, All right, I've heard it enough. Now I'm making the decision to follow Christ. Um, because we can give up right before the person's about to give their heart to the Lord. And then who knows? Who knows? I was teaching with our youth group last Sunday. We're going through the book of Revelation. And in Revelation chapter 10, uh, John, the same author who, who, who wrote this book here, uh, talks about an angel who had a small book um, and the angel told him to eat it and he eats it and it's sweet uh, like honey to his mouth and then a- afterwards it becomes bitter to his stomach. Uh, and we liken that to, to to God's word and when we read God's word. Uh, and, and, and I pose the statement to the youth and I want to pose it to you guys as well. Because uh, when we read God's word, when we read the Bible, uh, if it is all like happy, Goody two shoes. It tastes sweet. It's sweet all the time. And you're like, yeah, I like God's word. It's like candy. It's great. If it's like that all the time, uh, I'm I'm going to be here to tell you something is very wrong with the way you're living your life. If God's word is always making you uh, just happy and joyful, woohoo! This is awesome. Um, if it always is making you feel that way, something is very wrong with your life. I went as far as to tell the 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 youth, that if that's the case, you are a very egocentric, self-centered, um, megalomaniac. I mean, you are consumed with yourself. Uh, because God's Word, yeah, it's got its really sweet moments, um, but it also has its very real moments that talk about uh, what happens to those who do not know Christ. Uh, and that should make our stomach hurt. Uh, that should make our stomach hurt, to, to, to know that there are people dying all around us who don't know Christ to make our stomach hurt that we have classmates that we have uh, co-workers that we have family members that are dying not knowing Christ um, and it, and, if, and if you're just comfortable skipping over those passages to make your stomach hurt just so you can feel happy all the time uh, there is something seriously wrong with you uh, because Jesus Jesus's stomach hurt all the time we read just last week that his his heart was wrenched. His stomach was wrenched. It was turned inside out on, on the inside only because he saw people were hungry. And if people's hunger is enough to make Jesus uh, cower over in pain because of, of the gut wrenching, uh, how much more so should people dying and going to hell uh, hurt our stomachs? And so when I read this portion of Scripture that talks about these people who reject, uh, it it makes me very sad uh that there's people that are going to reject And I see the hope as well. Uh, down there at the bottom in the last three verses, this guy by the name of Nicodemus, he's a guy who was a part of these dudes who were rejecting Jesus. But he was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I've been rejecting far too long. Uh, guys, we, we can't judge him before we hear him out. We can't judge him yet. And we know that Jesus had already talked to Nicodemus and had shared faith with him. Uh, and, and, and what it means to be born again. And, and, and Nicodemus gives his heart to the Lord and says, I'm going to follow Jesus. And he ends up living his life. Church history tells us that Nicodemus uh, changes the world for Jesus. And so it should make our hearts wrench. It should tear our stomachs to pieces. Uh, it should be. It should leave, uh, God's word should leave a bitter taste in your stomach uh, when it comes to those who, who need to hear the word of God who need Jesus as their personal Savior, um, but it should also inspire us that we can go and we can tell those people they can hear and God can use us to reach those specific people. And when he does, hey, it's sweet like honey. It's great. We're told in the Scripture that the angels in heaven are rejoicing. And so tonight, January 1st or January 20th, 2015, um, let this be a moment that Everything that is to come, that's the title of the message, everything that's to come, uh, now gets recentered and refocused on Christ. And all the questions I pose to you, I, 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 I would pray that you pose those to yourselves, you find the answers to those questions, and now you go change the world because of what Christ has done in your life. Because you legitimately can go change the world. And I'm not just saying that to be like some happy motivational speaker. You you can go change the world. You might not change the entire ethnos of the globe, but you might change the world for one person. And if it was just one person, it would be 100% worth it. And So I want to encourage you guys tonight, go and tell people about Christ. Because Christ, he was talking about my time has not yet come throughout here because he knew he was going to get crucified. He knew all these things were going to take place. But Jesus is asking God now, up in heaven at the right hand of God, he's saying, all right, all right, Dad, is it time? Is it time? And God the Father is saying, no, it is not yet our time. It is not yet our time. What is God waiting for? God is waiting for each and every single one of us to go tell as many people as we can about Jesus. Because throughout the New Testament, we see that God won't return until the number of the Gentiles who are going to give their heart to the Lord comes to fruition. And uh, it hasn't happened yet. So it means there's still work for us to do. So let's get out there and let's go tell the world about Jesus. And that world starts in our houses. That's why at Hillside we're doing this heart for the home. You need to have a heart for your house. Be praying for your family. We're also doing a heart for the harvest because we believe it goes beyond just our families. It goes to our classmates. It goes to our workmates. It goes to those who we do life with, our friends, Go tell them about Jesus. Go, 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 go. We we, we so often in America think of the gospel of what can we get from the gospel. What can the gospel do for us? But the gospel of the Bible has nothing to do with what we can get. The gospel of the Bible has everything to do with where can we go? How can we go? When will we go? The why should we go is all here. Jesus said go all the world, and make disciples. So I want to encourage you guys with that tonight. That's it. I told you I'd be done at 825. It's 826. I'm going to pray. We're going to wrap up, and we're going to go. But uh, I want you guys to think about that. Dear God, we just thank you so much, and we pray to you. Uh, God, for who you are, for what you've done. Uh, God, we thank you that Jesus sets an epic example for us here uh, in, in John's Gospel. God, I pray that we would take it, uh, and that we would apply it to our lives. Uh, God, some of the things that are yet to come, uh, God, would be things that are just bathed in you. Um, God, we thank you uh, and we praise you. Go with us as we go from this place. Uh, God, and may you encourage each and every single one of us to ask ourselves those questions. Uh, Why do I believe what I believe? Um, Is Christ the Christ of my life? Uh, God, and may we see our friends, our family members, our coworkers, our classmates, those we do life with. God, may we see them come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So, God, we thank you and we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.